Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. With Rob O'Hare. Sprite Castle. Hello, and welcome to Sprite Castle, the show in which I play, discuss, and review Commodore 64 games. My name is Rob Flack O'Hara, and on this episode of Sprite Castle, I will be discussing Popeye. Now, do you know why Bluto changed his name to Brutus? You'll find out later in this episode. But before we get started talking about this week's game, let's check the Daily Sun for this week's Paperboy headlines. Welcome back to another episode of Sprite Castle. Uh, if you want to check out the video version of Sprite Castle, head on over to youtube.com forward slash Amigos Retro Gaming and look for the Sprite Castle playlist on their channel. I have other gaming videos on youtube.com forward slash Sprite Castle, but not the podcast Sprite Castle, which is confusing and bad planning on my part. <laughs> uh, I stream live at least once a week if you want to watch what Commodore 64 games I'm playing live, you can join us Wednesday nights. Go over to twitch.tv forward slash Rob O'Hara. If you click that little subscribe button, it doesn't cost you anything at all, and you'll get a notification when I begin to stream. And all of my podcasts are always available over at podcast.robohara.com. I am thankful that I got all that stuff out of the way without messing it up, and that is good because yesterday was Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving is uh, a special holiday for me. I don't know why. Um, I'm I'm big on Halloween. I'm, I'm pretty big on Christmas, but for some reason, Thanksgiving has always had a special place in my heart. It always, I always do set aside time to think about what I'm thankful for, the relationships I'm thankful for, the friends that are in my life, the things that I have, the things that I'm able to do, the people I'm able to spend time with. And so this Thanksgiving was no exception. It may sound cheesy or come off as not sincere, but it is very true that I'm thankful for all of you. I'm thankful for uh, the people that uh, support my shows. I'm thankful for the people that give me feedback on my shows and uh, not to put this list at the <laughs> the end of the list or this group at the end of the list, but I'm very thankful for you. Everybody that listens to my shows or watches my videos or streams or anything, uh, if there weren't an audience, there wouldn't be any reason to do this. So I'm thankful for all of you guys and gals out there. So I appreciate each and every one of you. Um, under the news section, I wanted to mention this, or this is kind of breaking news, but, uh, Hacker Radio, which is a radio station operating in Helsinki, Finland is back on the air. Now they are streaming and before they were streaming and they are streaming Sprite Castle, the show right on the radio. So if you're listening to the radio in Helsinki, Greetings from way, way far away in Oklahoma, which is almost, uh, it's not quite in the exact middle of the United States, but it's not far off. It's a little south of the middle of the United States. We are just north of Texas, the big state of Texas. So Oklahoma and Texas are pretty close together. Uh, if you want to listen to radio in Swedish, <laughs> which if you're in the U.S. won't do you much good, uh, you could go to it's h a k k e r i radio dot f i, and you could go there and you can actually stream and listen to. They've got a lot of great shows on there. I don't know how many are in English, but uh, lots of cool content on there. And if you're in Helsinki, you might be listening to this show on one hundred five point eight FM. So greetings to all my friends in Helsinki, uh, which is where the Project Hate is from. <laughs> A great metal band that uh, uh, I uh, crossed paths with many years ago. So if you run into the Project Hate, tell Lord Kent I said hi. Uh, feedback from the previous episode. I don't know that I got a lot of feedback on the last episode, which was Cauldron. It's been a few weeks since I released an episode. I did have some people recommend that I play Cauldron 2, and I have played Cauldron 2. Uh, it is a great game as well, and those are 
great games to fire up and play around Halloween uh, that time of year, but they're really fun any time of year. You can play Cauldron or Cauldron 2. So if you haven't checked out those games, uh, be sure to do that. And now let's jump right in to the Kings of the Castle. The last episode we played Cauldron and we played that special 8-bit song at the end of the episode. And that 8-bit song was I Put a Spell on You, the creepy Halloween song. Uh, made famous, I would say, by Creedence Clearwater Revival, although that is not the band that originally uh, wrote the song. It was a cover song for them. But uh, many people pointed out that you are making a spell in Cauldron, and of course the song is about putting a spell on you. So congratulations to the rather small group of people hanging out in the VIP room. And uh, boy, you're lucky. If I put off doing a show for a couple of weeks, you get the place to yourself for weeks on end. <laughs> So it has been a nonstop party for the past three weeks for Daniel Jaleppa, Joseph Sharippa, Scooter Prime, Edward Smith, and Bill Spear. I feel like I might have lost a couple of people in the email, but that's all I came up with. So um, now I'm going to have to change the way that I have been doing the King of the Castle song uh, slightly. I'm going to move the song to the very end of the broadcast, and it's only going to be on the audio version and not the YouTube version of the song uh, or of the show. And that is because YouTube is constantly hitting me with copyright strikes <laughs> and asking me to please stop doing that. So I'm going to have to stop doing that and putting that on the video streams, even though it's the 8-bit eight eight version of the songs, it's close enough to the originals that it triggers their copyright warning, and I get messages from them all the time. So uh, if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, I'm just going to move it to the end of the show. It'll be after the closing credits, so it'll still be there. You'll just have to wait a couple minutes longer to uh, find that audio song. Uh, this episode's song is tough. Uh, I don't think many people, if anyone, will get it <laughs> uh, because uh, I will just tell you this right now. It's a rap song, and most of the melody, I think, is in uh, the performer's voice. Voices. Should I say that? Is that giving too much away? And so by listening just to the 8-bit version, I'm not sure that there's enough there for people to guess, but we'll see. Uh, if you hear you uh, hear the song at the end of the episode, the 8-bit song, and recognize it, you can send an email to me at robohara at robohara.com. Uh, be sure to put King of the Castle in the subject line so that it doesn't fall into Gmail's nefarious spam <laughs> clutches. And tell me what the song is and what relation that song has to this episode's game. And if you get that, I will send you a personalized key that gives you access to the VIP room. And let me tell you, uh, this version uh, or this episode, the VIP room, I mean, we are getting uh, all the, the terrible stuff out. We're getting lots of spinach uh, related to <laughs> some spinach dip, some other spinach treats to go in there. It's going to be a good time for everybody. So uh, if you hear that song and you recognize it, shoot me an email with the title of the song and what relation it has to this episode's game, and you will gain access for a short period of time to the Sprite Castle VIP room. It's uh, it's pretty plush. It's not a bad place to hang out. Uh, now let's get into uh, Commodore news. I had some different news. There's a lot of new games coming out it's towards the end of the year. One is Rogue 64 is now available for pre-order. This is a version of the game Rogue, which you may be familiar with. It is one of the very first uh, 2D dungeon crawlers. One of the great things about Rogue is that the game is generated procedurally, which means every level is random every time that you play the game, uh, which has not helped me ever, ever, ever beat the game. But one of these days, I'll do it. Now, I usually play Rogue on the PC. There was a version released by Epix. I believe in 83, maybe something like that. It's a really, really early game. And there are different ports to the Commodore 64, but this one looks really good. So uh, this is an actual physical release, Rogue 64, and you could get the cartridge. 
Uh, comes in a box. You also do get a copy of the digital download uh, when the uh, final product ships. And it's 35 pounds, which is uh, not really a bad deal. I, I'm, you know, I didn't do the conversion. I think that's just a few bucks more, maybe 40 bucks, something like that, uh, if you're in the U.S. But Rogue 64 is now available for pre-order. So I am looking for that. I put that on my Christmas list and hoping that Santa brings me a copy of that. Uh, I did check out Pataxian, which is a Petsky version of Galaxian that was released. Now, I seem to remember a Petsky version, not of Galaxian, but Galaga, that I played a long, long, long time ago. Of course, we recently got those great ports of Galaxian and Galaga on the Commodore 64 from Arlasoft. But uh, if you want to check out Pataxian, you can Google that and find that. It's available on CSDB and any place where you download your Commodore 64 disk images. I almost said ROMs, but we all know that they're not ROMs. They are disk images. Uh, another game that was recently released was Pack War, and that is W-O-R. And it's spelled that way because it is a combination of Pac-Man mixed with Wizard of War. So the game looks like Wizard of War, except for there are dots <laughs> in the maze like Pac-Man that you have to collect. And it's very, very fun. Uh, Pac-Man's a great game and Wizard of War is a great game. And I don't know why nobody thought to collect the two or uh, co combine the two into one game before, but somebody did it and it is a blast to play. So if you're looking for something to play over the holiday weekend, if you're taking any time off here, that's a, a great one to play pack war uh, i don't normally talk about games for other commodore systems i try to leave that space available for other people but i did want to throw out the release tetris 2k21 this is a brand new release of tetris for the commodore 16 and the commodore plus four uh, there are lots of different versions of tetris uh, you know dozens of versions of tetris on the c64 maybe more than dozens i don't know uh, but the Commodore 16 and Plus 4 don't always get the same amount of love that our beloved 64 gets. But if you do happen to have a little bit of love for those uh, systems, whether it's real or virtual, you can get a copy of Tetris 2K21 and uh, just go for a Tetris. Wait for a straight piece. <laughs> That's my technique. Leave the little slot on the side and then pray for a straight piece to come. <laughs> I have one strategy to Tetris, and that's it. Uh, finally, I wanted to throw out uh, a new piece of hardware that I saw, which is the SID Kick. This is a drop-in replacement for the SID chip. On the last episode, I talked about a drop-in replacement for the PLA. Uh, again, I'm, I'm repeating myself, but, you know, hardware is aging. Real physical Commodore 64 hardware is getting old. Those chips do fail, and power spikes can cause these chips to fail. Um, they're, you know, bad power supplies can, can do it. And so, uh, historically people have basically, um, pulled parts from other systems maybe, uh, and they, you know, scavenged non-working systems and pulled the chips out and stuff, but that's just leaving fewer and fewer of these machines around. So the SID kick, uh, is, uh, again, just a, uh, it's built on the Teensy board, which is a tiny little, uh, board and drops right into the slot and then it's configurable it can uh, uh, emulate either the 6581 which is the SID chip of my preference or the later 8580 uh, you can do either one of those and uh, this is a total open source project so if you um, have the skills the soldering skills and what all is needed to build this little thing there's instructions online and just uh, search google for SID kick and the code's out there, and you can build your own. If you're not one of those people, I'm not one of those people. I'm uh, My technique is to put half a roll of solder in one place and heat it up to where it looks like a giant Hershey's kiss. <laughs> and hope somehow it makes a connection. Uh, so if you're that kind of guy, then you might want to look and see for people selling uh, the SID kick. But if you have a Commodore that doesn't make sound anymore and you've got a problem with your SID chip, uh, this is a, a great way to breathe life back into old hardware. If you have feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at Rob O'Hara at RobOHara.com. 
Join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash robcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore. Come chat with me on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord or leave a message on the podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. If you would like to support my shows, visit my Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. All of my patrons get access to behind-the-scene blog posts, weekly videos, access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, and other additional perks. To find out more, again, visit my page. That's patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. This episode of Sprite Castle is proudly sponsored by Retro Rewind. For all your Commodore bits, bytes, and accessories, visit Retro Rewind at retrorewind.ca. I have a checkout code, which normally I would tell you is SC10, and that will give you a 10% discount. But here's where I should insert a drum roll, but I don't have a drum roll ready. <laughs> uh, Retro Rewind is having a contest for the holidays. Um, the way that this contest works, and, and I want to say this from the very beginning, uh, Retro Rewind has been one of the most generous, uh, not just a sponsor but a company, but they've really supported uh, this entire scene, uh, they have so many products related to Commodore computers, a lot of Amiga stuff, a lot of Commodore 64 stuff, uh, but they have been very generous for many podcasters and streamers by supporting our shows um, and allowing us to give out these discount codes. They've sent me giveaway hardware before, all kinds of stuff like that. So um, they, uh, they've really jumped in and, and supported the community. But what they want everyone to know is that uh, this contest is more about just supporting the community. This is about giving back. Uh, and the uh, beneficiaries of this contest is the Daily Bread Food Bank in Toronto. And so the way that this works is Retro Rewind has given all of us new discount codes uh, that will work from now until December 18th. So this is the same type of discount code when you check out. My code is TIS, like tis the season, T-I-S-S-C for Sprite Castle. So it's T-I-S-S-C. That gives you uh, your normal 10% off your whole order. So if you order one thing or five things or 10 things, it doesn't matter. You get 10% off. But that code uh, will track the discounts coming from Sprite Castle. And it will be, they'll be added up. And so on the, the end of the day at December 18th, all the different discount codes are going to be added up. And whichever podcast wins, uh, we'll get two $50 gift cards that we will be giving away to listeners uh, that are good at Retro Rewind. But uh, the best part of this contest and, and uh, maybe the most generous part of this contest is that all of the money that is saved on all of the discounts through all these shows. This is, um, you know, the Amigo show. This is ARG Presents. This is my show. This is Pixel Gaiden. This is, uh, there's multiple uh, shows that Retro Rewind supports. Uh, but the money saved from all of those shows using these codes, again, my code is T-I-S-S-C, uh, they're going to match and donate that money to the Daily Bread Food Bank there in Toronto. So again, uh, you know, you, you win. If you use, uh, this code, you get 10% off. So you win that way. Uh, if, if this show or whoever show has the biggest amount of, uh, you know, money saved over the next month, uh, we'll get those gift cards, which we'll be giving away to listeners. So we win that way. And then ultimately the, uh, money that's being matched and given away by retro rewind, uh, to uh, the uh, food bank in Toronto, those people are winners. And that donation that's going to the food bank will be under everyone's name, all of our shows, and uh, everybody will get credit for that. So, um, you know, the way I, I look at it, I've had so many years where um, you know my wife or, or uh, family members said, you know, what do you want for Christmas? And I'm like, eh, I don't know. And then, you know, I get socks. One year I got Christmas towels. I mean, how how much are you going to use a Christmas towel or a bowling ball or, uh, you know, I had my uh, I had an aunt give me a half used stack of uh, CDR blank CDR discs. <laughs> so, what I would do, uh, either send them a link or just buy what you want for Christmas and say, hey, you know, you can pay for this. Give me the money uh, for that. But if you want uh, 
anything, you know, for a Commodore computer, stuff like that, go there to RetroRewind.ca. Use this code TISSC. You'll save 10%. That money that's saved will be donated to a local food bank, and we all have a chance of winning these $50 gift cards. So uh, that's about all I have to say about that. It's really just a good deal uh, for everybody. And it's, uh, again, real generous on uh, Retro Rewind's part. So I'm pretty excited about all that. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to mention that they have uh, in their store right now is the C64 Diag. Uh, it's a diagnostic four-in-one cart. And if you've ever tried working on an old 64 that's dead, uh, you turn you try to turn the, the power on and, and it's acting weird or this and that. Like, you don't even know where to start. And so they sold cartridges over time and, and different cartridges diagnose different things. Uh, but the four-in-one has four different diagnostic cartridges all on one cartridge. Uh, and uh, they're selling that right now for 47 bucks. And then again, with that uh, code TISSC, you get five bucks off that. So that's a good deal. I think that's probably what I'm going to be ordering myself for Christmas. Uh, don't tell Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Santa Flack <laughs> when that package arrives. I'm just going to tell her it's from the North Pole. Uh, anyway, those are this week's headlines brought to you by my local paperboy, who hit me in the head with my newspaper this morning. Awesome pause. Now that we've discussed this week's news, let's discuss this week's snack. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Talking snack. Normally on Talking Snack, I talk about a snack that I uh, have had while I was recording the show or writing the show or something related to the game uh, that I've had recently or that reminds me of an old memory. And I've got to be honest with you, the only food that applies to, to Popeye is spinach. And uh, I don't really care for spinach. I, spinach dip is okay. And I thought about going someplace and getting spinach dip, but I didn't get around to it. But I did have a funny story involving spinach. And so I thought I would share that here uh, during this week's Talking Snack. Uh, this story takes place in 1991 during my senior prom. Now, my senior prom, before we went to the prom, uh, several of us in journalism class decided we would all go together as a group. There were six of us. There were three girls and three boys. And we decided that we would all go as a group to the senior prom. And then one of the boys and one of the girls decided they were wanted to go as a separate couple. And so they split off. So then it was only me, a friend of mine, and then two girls who did not particularly care for me, <laughs> but were friends with the other guy. And shortly before the prom, the other guy said he was not going to prom. So now my prom experience uh, had basically dwindled down to me taking two girls to the prom, neither one of whom particularly cared for my presence. <laughs> so we made the best with what we could. I went and picked the girls up. Uh, their parents were trying to take prom pictures and the girls were like, not, not necessary. We don't, we don't need pictures with this guy. Uh, but part of the prom experience is going and having a dinner before you go to the prom. And so there was this restaurant called Sullivan's. And so we made reservations at Sullivan's. We went there. I was wearing my rented tuxedo. They were wearing their prom dresses, these two young ladies. And we went. And it turned out that Sullivan's was a seafood restaurant, which I didn't know about. Now, I had been told at a very young age that I was allergic to seafood. Uh, I was later tested for an allergic reaction to seafood, and everything came up negative. So either I outgrew that allergy, or I just had some bad shrimp when I was a kid. <laughs> and it was mistakenly thought that I was allergic to shrimp. Uh, but... At this time, I did not eat seafood. I didn't eat lobster. I didn't eat crab. I didn't eat shrimp. And we went to a seafood restaurant for dinner. And so uh, I panicked as I'm looking over the menu. All I could find were seafood dishes. And down towards the bottom of the dish or the bottom of the menu was uh, a bowl, a platter, a meal. And there was two words in the title 
of this dinner plate. I only knew what one of the words meant. And one of the words was ravioli. And I liked ravioli. I was a Chef Boyardee kid. (laughs) I still eat cans of ravioli. And I thought, you know, I don't see shrimp. I don't see lobster. I don't see anything like that. It's ravioli. So that is what I ordered. The word that was before ravioli was Florentine. Uh, I didn't know what Florentine meant, but Florentine apparently means made of spinach, made with spinach, made with spinach ingrained in this dish. And so my plate arrived with just a couple of very large ravioli that were green because they put spinach in the pasta that they use. And the ravioli were stuffed with spinach and they were covered with a spinach meat sauce. Uh, I did not like seafood, but if there was one thing I liked even less than seafood uh, was spinach. (laughs) And so that's what I had delivered to my table in front of me was this giant plate that looked like it had three or two or three green pillows laying on it, which were giant green Florentine ravioli. If I remember correctly, I ate a little bit around the edge. Uh, I ate a lot of garlic bread. And we got out of there, went to the prom, and they had some hors d'oeuvres, and I pigged out on hors d'oeuvres, none of which contain spinach. So I know that spinach is supposedly gives Popeye his strength, but it didn't do anything for me, uh, not then and not now. Uh, so spinach uh, dip I can deal with, but but that's just about it for me. So, uh, I mean, I don't like spinach, but I do know a guy who likes spinach. And that guy is Popeye, which was also a game published for the Commodore 64 in 1982 by Parker Brothers. It is a game that supports one or two players that uses joystick controls. Uh, We have talked a little bit about uh, Parker Brothers before on the podcast, but I'm not sure how much detail I went into. Parker Brothers was founded in 1883. That's 1883, not 1983. Uh, They were known for making board games. They were originally known as the George S. Parker Company. That was their original name until George's brother, Frederick Huntington Parker, decided to join him. And so they renamed the company from the George S. Parker Company to the Parker Brothers. Uh, Parker Brothers' biggest claim to fame is Monopoly. And most of their success came from board games. Uh, They were uh, very profitable until 1991, at which point they were purchased by Hasbro. Now, they began moving into the electronic gaming market in the late 70s, and they were the ones who released Merlin, which you may remember was an electronic game that played uh, multiple different games like Simon Says and Tic-Tac-Toe and things like that. Uh, And based off that success, they eventually moved into the uh, home console market. They uh, released games mostly for consoles first. They did Atari 2600 games and television, Odyssey 2, Atari 5200, and ColecoVision. And then uh, they were in the market for only a few years but exited after the video game crash in 1983. I think 1984 is probably the latest we see of uh, Parker Brothers games released for home video games consoles. Uh, Some of their most popular releases were Star Wars. They released the uh, uh, console version of Star Wars. They did uh, Q-Bert, Mr. Deuce Castle. They had James Bond and Diamonds Are Forever. They released Gyrus and Frogger 1 and Frogger 2. So lots of great Parker Brothers games out there for the Commodore 64. Uh, The only other Parker Brothers game I have covered on the podcast is Montezuma's Revenge, which is all the way back in Sprite Castle number 17. My turn. My toy. This new Popeye video game has the boys fighting worse than ever. Oh, Popeye. It's my game. It's got three screens just like the arcade. Watch out. Yikes. Uh Uh-oh. 
fight like a man. Where's me spinach? Yow! Not your choke, you wimp. I ain't wimpy. I'm much better looking. <laughs> the new Popeye video game, available for most popular home video and computer systems. Now, in this game, you control Popeye, and you must collect various objects that are being dropped by olive oil while avoiding Brutus and items being thrown at him, at Popeye, uh, by the sea hag, like beer bottles. Popeye can punch away some of the items, like the beer bottles, and after eating the spinach, which is available once per round, you can also punch Brutus. Popeye features characters licensed from King Features Syndicate. That's who owned the rights to the Popeye characters at that point in time. And if you don't know, Popeye is a port of a Nintendo arcade game, which was released in arcades in 1982. Donkey Kong was originally intended to be a Popeye game. You can probably, if you close your eyes, you can imagine, instead of seeing uh, Mario or Jumpman at that time, imagine Popeye climbing his way up a building trying to save olive oil from Brutus. But at that time, Nintendo could not obtain the license rights to Popeye. Uh, they didn't get the license until 1982. So that's an interesting thing to consider. What would have happened if they had got the license earlier, if they had got the license to Popeye one year earlier, then Donkey Kong would have been a Popeye game. And it makes you wonder, would we have ever seen Mario? <laughs> because that's where Mario and Donkey Kong come from, is the original Donkey Kong. Now, one of the things I talk about on this show is any uh, relation that games have to things that were going on in uh, the real world and in 1980, we got the movie version of Popeye, which starred Robin Williams as Popeye, Shelley Duvall as Olive Oil. We had Ray Walston as Poop Dick Pappy, a.k.a. Popeye's father, and Paul L. Smith as Bluto. If you don't know who Paul L. Smith is, he was in the original Dune. Uh, he was in Red Sonja, and he was the Archduke in the 1994 movie Maverick. So, we have this 1980 movie Popeye. We had Popeye cartoons that came back on the air in 1978. So, Popeye was going through a bit of a rebirth. That's probably why Nintendo tried to get the Nintendo, uh, tried to get the rights to Popeye for Donkey Kong, which they failed in 1981. And so, in 1982, they released their own Popeye game. Uh, the box for this game is pretty nondescript because it is a Parker Brothers release. It looks like a lot of their releases. It is uh, The box is gray. Across the top it says Parker Brothers Arcade Slash Action Software. And then you have an airbrushed photo of Popeye with uh, the word Popeye. And uh, Popeye was originally released and maybe only released, uh, or at least originally, as a cartridge, which was um, not unusual for early Commodore 64 releases, but I believe later there were budget releases probably released on cassette. I think I've seen other cassettes, but primarily, uh, if you saw an original copy of Popeye, it was probably uh, a cartridge. Now, there's information about the game on the back of the box, along with a screenshot of the game. The back says, put yourself in Popeye's place. You've got a daffy girlfriend who goes by the name of Olive Oil. Right now, she's got you running in circles, chasing hearts and notes all over the place. Well, blow me down. Then there's that blubber brain Brutus who's out to get you. He's meaner than mean. While you're dashing around, he's taking shots to knock you overboard. And if that's not bad enough, you've got that nasty old biddy, the sea hag, pelting you with bottles. And vultures diving right for your head. You've even got to dodge bouncing skulls. Yikes. Now you'd think with all this going on, you could rely on your spinach. No chance. It's there one second, gone the next. When you do grab it, Brutus is in big trouble. So go ahead, put yourself in Popeye's place, if you think you can handle all the action. One or two players, ages six and up, joystick required. Uh, a little bit to unfold here. Number one. Uh, I do like that uh, at the end of the first paragraph, it talks about uh, what's going on and then it says, well, blow me down. So that is obviously one of Popeye's catchphrases. Well, blow me down. 
Uh, at the second paragraph, it throws in the con the uh, comment, he's meaner than mean. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, this has to be intentional, but the Popeye movie, uh, Brutus, or Bluto, as he appears in the movie, sings a song called I'm Mean. And he says, I'm mean, I'm mean, you know what I mean. Uh, I'm meaner than mean. So uh, this seems like a direct reference to the movie without, you know, actually calling it out. Uh, I thought it was interesting that they call the sea hag an old biddy. I thought biddy was kind of slang for a bad word, but maybe not. <laughs> so uh, I, I found that part interest. Uh, and then, you know, it basically explains the gist of what's going on, that olive oil is going to be uh, dropping things and you're going to have to catch them. And it tells you who you're going to have to avoid. You're going to have to avoid Brutus. You're going to have to uh, avoid the sea hag and the things that she throws and collect whatever olive oil's dropping. Uh, when this game boots, uh, the title screen and loading screen is pretty lackluster. Uh, you will see in regular text, Parker Brothers presents Popeye. This is all in just regular text. And then if you press the button one or two, you will launch a one or two player game. Uh, that's pretty much it. And there's no menu where it comes up with a picture of Popeye or anything like that. It's just plain text and, and off you go. So uh, you get to, uh, once the game starts, you will see that there are four, uh, well, the game has three levels, but uh, the first level has four, I want to say four levels that you can walk on, four platforms maybe. Uh, the top one has a big gap in the middle, and then the bottom three can be crossed all the way from the left to the right-hand side of the screen. And the top one, where that big gap is, has little signs that say through, and those allow you to jump across the screen from the left to the right, and so they wrap around. Uh, and that is a, a good technique to use to get away from uh, Brutus. At the very top of the screen, there are two houses. There's Popeye's house on the left and Olive Oil's house on the right. And olive oil is running around left and right, throwing hearts that float down to the bottom of the screen. Uh, I guess, I'm actually looking here, the first level there are 24 hearts that you will have to collect. Each time you collect a heart, it appears up on Popeye's house, which is shows the side of his house and a grid. And the, and the uh, hearts fill in the grid so you can see how far along you are on the level. The higher up physically that you are on the game uh, affects the score. You get more points for catching hearts closer to the top. Um, so it sounds pretty easy so far, but the, uh, I want to say the elephant in the room is a big bearded guy <laughs> named Brutus. And uh, so what Brutus is doing, he is roaming the level and coming after you. Uh, now, again, there are four different, levels that you can uh, roam from top to bottom. Uh, but the problem with Brutus is that not only can, if he touches you, uh, it takes your life away and it kills Popeye. But not only does he touch you if you're on the same level, but if he is on the level above you, he can reach down and swipe you with his hand and get you. If he is underneath you, he can jump up and touch your feet and get you. In the arcade version there's kind of a slow animation that happens right before that happens, and so you can avoid it. But on the Commodore 64 version, it's very, very fast. It happens very quickly, uh, so you're never really safe going the level above him or below him as well. Now, uh, the, eventually you will see the Sea Hag, which will appear and throw multiple bottles at you in multiple succession. Uh, so you can uh, punch these bottles. You have to be careful because sometimes the sea hag will appear on both sides of the screen and throw bottles at you from both sides. So if you're standing right in the middle, you will have no chance at batting away all the bottles. Uh, but if you get closer to one side or the other, or a better technique is to get off that, <laughs> that level and take the stairs up or down or one of the ladders uh, down then uh, you can get away from that. Now the hearts will be floating down from the top of the screen all the way to the bottom. And at the bottom is water. And if the hearts uh, land in the water, you'll hear a different little sound playing. And after 
so many seconds, the hearts will sink into the water and that's the same. You will also lose a life. So if you hear that sound, you immediately have to run to the bottom of the screen and go collect any hearts that are floating on top of the water. So there is a lot <laughs> going on. Now there are three levels to this game. Uh, and, uh, they're all basically work the same general way. Uh, olive oil is always dropping things from the top. Uh, you have to collect those and you have to collect so many of them to beat the level. Uh, the second level, well, the first level uh, takes place on those platforms underneath uh, their houses. Uh, the second level takes place uh, at a high rise apartment. And again, it's the same idea. Uh, for some reason, this one, olive oil is singing and she is dropping music notes I think maybe she's actually playing a harp or something, but uh, she's dropping music notes instead of hearts. And then on the third level, you are on Brutus's pirate ship and uh, the sea hags buzzard will try to get you. The sea hag still comes out. Uh, and uh, so there's a lot. Oh, and, and uh, Olive is shouting help. I don't know if I said that. So you have to collect the word help. Literally the word help is, is falling down and you have to collect those. Now, the way to fight Brutus is your can of spinach will appear on these levels. It'll only appear for a short amount of time and then it goes away. Uh, and sometimes it'll, it'll be on one side of the screen. Sometimes it'll be on the other, but when it appears, you can run over to the spinach and punch the spinach and you just like on the cartoon. It's like when Popeye eats the spinach, you become super Popeye and it will play uh, two riffs of the Popeye theme song. And while that's playing, you can run around. And if you can catch Bluto, you will knock him all around the screen. And it will take Bluto out, uh, or Brutus. I've got to say Brutus. Uh, it will take Brutus out, not for the rest of the level, but for maybe 15 or 20 seconds. Uh, there is a second way to take Brutus out of commission temporarily again. Uh, there is a punching bag at the top of the first level and a barrel that drops down. If you punch the, uh, uh, punch the bag and it drops the barrel. And so if you hit Brutus in the head with the barrel, it will take him away. Now I did read online that if you hit Brutus after you've eaten the spinach and while he's bouncing around the screen, if you can also hit him with the barrel. Uh, so you've hit him basically twice at the same time. He will disappear for the remainder of that level, but good luck doing that. <laughs> uh, so again, I, I talked about level two, level three. Uh, the controls for Popeye are pretty simple. It's a four-way joystick, uh, but you do use diagonal. I should say, I guess it's eight-way, uh, because you have to hit diagonal to go up and down the stairs, which is not really hard to do with an Atari-style joystick or a, a, even a gamepad. It, it, it's uh, it's pretty forgiving. So, But you do have to remember on those steps uh, that go up and down, you do have to use uh, diagonal. The button punches... And so you will need to punch uh, the spinach. If you want to get the spinach, you have to punch the punching bag. Uh, you can punch the bottles that are being thrown at you by the sea hag. Um, but one thing you'll notice is there's no way to jump. Uh, the button doesn't jump. Diagonal doesn't jump. Spacebar doesn't jump. Uh, Popeye just doesn't jump. Now, there's not really anything in the game that you would have to jump over, uh, but for this type of platform game, it just feels a little weird. It feels like you should be able to jump and there is the, no way to do that. So when it comes to gaming strategy, of course, I played uh, played a lot of Popeye over the past couple of weeks. Um, if you're trying to get a higher score, number one, the higher up on the screen that you are, where you collect the hearts or the, the music notes, you get more points. The, the more, the longer they're on the screen, the less value they have. So if you're trying to get a high score, you got to collect all that stuff as close to the top of the screen uh, as possible. Another thing that I found myself doing a lot, especially on the first uh, level, is using those little through passages so I could lead uh, Brutus to one side of the screen and then quickly go through the, the through, the wraparound, and then I'd be on the other side and I could collect hearts while he was making his way uh, back over to get me. Uh, the other thing I found out is that the hearts and notes and all those things, their value doubles during the time that the uh, spinach portion of the game is going on. Uh, it, so 
Uh, one of the ways you can get more points is wait until there's a lot of hearts or music notes on the screen, hit the spinach, and while Brutus is flying around the screen, collect as many hearts or, or notes as you can, and you'll get a lot more points uh, that way. Uh, according to the manual, hearts are worth 500 points, 300, 100, or 50, depending on which of the four levels you collect them on. And again, if you get those while after you've eaten the spinach, when that very short period of time, you know, 10 seconds or less, uh, you will get double the amount of score. If you punch Brutus, that's 3,000 points. Smashing the bottles is 50 points. Hitting the punching bag is only 30 points. Um, if you're able to hit Brutus with the barrel, depending on what level you're on, uh, you will get 1,000, 2,000, or 4,000 points. So that is a way to get uh, a lot of uh, extra points. You do get an extra man after earning 40,000 points, which is a pretty good game. It's not, uh, I played a lot of games of Popeye. And I don't know that I ever got 40,000 points. <laughs> Maybe once or twice I did. Uh, the high score for the Commodore 64 version that I found online on RetroComputerScene.com is just over 147,000 points, which is a pretty good score uh, for this version of Popeye. So uh, let me get into the story of why, wh how Bluto became Brutus why he's known as Brutus in this game, why he's known to Bluto in a lot of other places. Uh, Popeye began as a comic strip, and it was Popeye and Olive Oil and a guy named Bluto. And I think most people think, uh, when they think of Popeye's nemesis, they think of Bluto. Uh, after so long, after it being a comic strip, uh, King Features... Uh, no, I think it was Fleischer, sorry, Fleischer Studios um, purchased the rights or leased the rights to Popeye and uh, they started making cartoons. So they took it from the comic strip to being the cartoons that we saw in um, the early theater days. And uh, some of those have, have been moved over to television or, or uh, you know, other video formats. Um, but it was always Bluto. It was Bluto in the comic strip. It was Bluto in the early cartoons. And then in the 1950s, King Features uh, acquired the rights and for also making Popeye cartoons. But for some reason, King Features did not think that they had the rights to the name Bluto. They thought that Fleischer Studio had created Bluto, which is not correct. Fleischer Studios had got Bluto from the original comic strip. So when uh, King Features started making their cartoons, again, they incorrectly thought that they could not use the name Bluto. So they made a new character called Brutus. Now, a lot of people think Bluto and Brutus are interchangeable. But if you compare those cartoons, they're not interchangeable. Uh, Bluto was uh, really kind of a strong guy. Like he had a lot of upper body strength and, and was kind of drawn like that upside down triangle, you know, big wide shoulders, narrow hips, that kind of uh, character shape. Uh, whereas Brutus had more of, he was kind of like a beer belly kind of guy and, and uh, he wasn't really known for his strength, but he was just a, uh, you know, I guess I would say that Bluto was more of a bully and Brutus was, you know, just after olive oil and would fight Popeye, you know, but sometimes they teamed up on stuff, but, but they were kind of two different characters, right? So from the, uh, the cartoons that were put out in the 1960s, uh, we had Brutus instead of Bluto. Now, uh, Popeye went off the air for about 15 years uh, and as I mentioned at the top of the show, they started re-releasing. There was a new version called the all-new Popeye Hour, which uh, made its debut in 1978. And they went back to Bluto. And basically, it's been Bluto ever since. So uh, uh, that was Bluto. In the movie, he was Bluto. And today, he is known as Bluto. So why is he known as Brutus in this game? Well, I think it's because um, the early, the cartoons and things that were made in the in the late seventies and early eighties had not been uh, distributed overseas 
at that time. So people in Japan would probably most be most familiar with the Popeye franchise with that era of cartoons where Bluto was known as Brutus. So I think that's probably why he appears as Brutus in this game instead of Bluto. Now, to complicate matters, <laughs> uh, it has always been assumed that Bluto and Brutus are the same person with a different name and drawn slightly different, but they're the same guy. They serve the same purpose. They more or less have the same face, uh, and Bluto and Brutus have always kind of been interchangeable. In 1988, a comic book, a Popeye comic book, was released and revealed that Bluto and Brutus were twins <laughs> and that they were actually separate guys and they teamed up together uh, to try to beat up Popeye. And that was again repeated in the late 2000s in another Popeye comic uh, that uh, that was repeated, that Bluto and Brutus were twins uh, and two separate people. So I, you know, I don't know. It's the comic books. I guess you just got to, Pick which uh, story you want to go with and stick with that. But uh, So that is why uh, in this game he appears as Brutus and not Bluto. But if you call him Bluto, it's forgivable. I will forgive you. Uh, online reviews of this game were fairly positive, uh, although I didn't find too many of them. But Lemon64 has an aggregate score of 7.3 out of 10, which is pretty good. C64 Games has 6 out of 10. That's a newer review. And C64.com has 7.5 out of 10. Uh, some of the early reviews said that this was the closest people had ever seen to actually playing in a cartoon. So I don't know about that. Uh, probably so until the next year uh, when they saw Dragon's Lair where people actually could play a cartoon. <laughs> Uh, but at the time, it was uh, it got pretty high reviews. Uh, Popeye did not just appear on the Commodore 64. It was ported to the Atari 2600, the Atari 5200, the Atari 8-bit, the ColecoVision, the Intellivision, the uh, NES, the Odyssey 2, the TI-99 4A. All of these versions look and play slightly different. A lot of them have... Uh, pluses and minuses um you know the coleco vision version looks really good but it plays a little bit differently than this version uh, some of the other versions the uh, atari ones uh, some of them don't look as good as this version but play a little bit better so uh, if you enjoy this game and you're you're just into retro systems in general you might go check out some of the different versions of popeye although the review that i read said this is the definitive version of Popeye for home computers and home consoles. I don't 100% know that I agree with that, but it's a, a good game. If you're only going to play one version, this is not a bad one to pick. Um, now, there were multiple Popeye games for the Commodore 64. There was another game called Popeye by Macmillan, released a couple of years after this, uh, that is nothing like the arcade version at all. It's more like a... Uh, um, action-adventure-type game, and it's known because the sprites of Popeye take up uh, about two-thirds of the screen. The characters are gigantic on the screen. It's a very strange-looking uh, version. There's also uh, Popeye 2, which is uh, more of an adventure kind of game available for, for the Commodore 64, and Popeye 3 Wrestle Crazy, which is a game where Popeye goes to outer space uh, to a wrestling match and has to wrestle different aliens and... Uh, uh, at one point, he has to wrestle the, the Xenomorph from Alien <laughs> and uh, some monster-looking thing that looks like a, um, a Dalek from Doctor Who. So uh, is it Dalek or Dalek? I always get it wrong. I think it's Dalek. But um, regardless, it's a crazy game. So Popeye 3 Wrestle Crazy is pretty bizarre. Maybe I'll play that one of these nights on the, these streams. Uh, Namco released an arcade port of this game on mobile phones in 2008, I believe. So I don't think it's available anymore um, in uh, the iOS store or Android store. But if you could find uh, an older copy of that and you want to play it on your phone, that is a, uh, a perfect uh, arcade port. And actually, there's some uh, upgraded stuff in there, too, which is kind of fun. 
If you want to own an original copy of Popeye for the Commodore 64, uh, the uh, I found a complete new cartridge in box for 80, but that was pretty high. Uh, I did find complete copies for $15. Uh, and twenty dollars, and and that's box cartridge manual everything in the fifteen to twenty dollar range. Uh, and I found loose cartridges online for five bucks, so it's not an expensive title if you want to. For some reason, you're collecting, and a lot of people collected all the different Parker Brothers releases because the boxes all line up and they look cool. So if you're wanting to uh, do that, you can pick this up pretty uh, inexpensively. And now. Let's discuss my memories of playing Popeye. Fight! Alright, time travelers! Seatbelt fastened! Yes! Get away to the past! Memories! I remember when I didn't Hit the wrong thing on the soundboard. <laughs> no. um, I have a lot of memories of Popeye as a kid. I used to watch Popeye the cartoon before school. This would be the all-new Popeye hour that I mentioned that was uh, debuted in 1978 and ran through the early 80s. 1978, I believe, is the year I started kindergarten. So we would always have the TV on as we sat inside waiting for the bus uh, I lived at the very end of a street, so you could watch TV and watch out the front window, and there was a, a bus stop at the other end of the street, and so if you saw the bus down there uh, and it would stop and you knew now it was time to grab your stuff and, and get ready, because the other bus stop was basically right in front of my house. So we would sit there and watch morning cartoons. I watched Groovy Ghoulies. I watched Woody Woodpecker, and I definitely watched a lot of Popeye uh, before the school bus ran. Uh the movie is not necessarily well loved, but I enjoyed it because it kind of hit me right at that age. In 1980, I was seven years old and, and just discovering Popeye and, and enjoying the cartoons and and uh, Robin Williams and Shelley Duvall uh, and, uh, of course, uh, uh, Ray Walston as Poop Deck Pappy uh, and uh, my friends would... We would get on the bus and say, it's time to get our education. <laughs> so uh, I enjoyed the Popeye movie. Um, of course, if you want to do a deep dive, go look at uh, Harry Nilsson. If you know who Harry Nilsson is, he's the guy that wrote uh, Put the Lime in the Coconut and uh, several other songs like that. But he uh, did the entire soundtrack for uh, Popeye the movie. So there's a lot of interesting stuff to read and listen to about Harry Nilsson doing the soundtrack. And if you're really bored, go to IMDb and look up the trivia on the Popeye movie, how they basically converted this town, uh, you know, this sea town into a living set where they could film the movie. There's a lot of interesting uh, stuff out there about the movie. The movie's a little bit crazy. Um, I do remember playing Popeye in the arcade uh, you know, anytime that you saw one of those Nintendo cabinets, you knew it was going to be a classic game. And so, you know, if you saw that one of those blue Nintendo cabinets, I would say, oh, it's Donkey Kong and run over and see, oh, it's Popeye, but that's okay. Um, you know, all those, those games were classics around that era. And, uh, uh Nintendo obviously put out quality, uh, products, you know, at that time. And so Popeye was a good game and, and the graphics on the arcade game look really, really good. And so I always would play Popeye anytime I saw it. Uh, I played this on the Commodore 64 some, I would say. Uh, it was one of those games that everybody had and everybody had multiple copies of. Like you would end up with Popeye on three or four different discs somehow, just, you know, as copying discs from other people, there would always be a a uh, copy of, of Popeye stashed away on those discs and stuff. So um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that it was like a favorite that I obsessed over or whatever, but I definitely played it a lot as a kid. I uh, could always get to the second level, but getting to the third level, the pirate ship was always uh, really exciting if it ever happened. And I don't know that I ever beat the pirate ship level uh, on the Commodore 64, at least not as a kid, but, uh, um, but, uh, it was uh, a good game and I really, uh, enjoyed playing it.
All right, it's time to take this game to the 8-bit courthouse and see what the rating is. For graphics, I give Popeye 3 out of 5 cans of spinach. Everything looks good, but not great. Uh, music, you get the Popeye theme. You get lots of uh, little ditties that go on through the game. I will give Popeye 3 out of 5 cans of spinach in the music department. I will also give it 3 out of 5 cans of spinach for sound effects. Uh, there's lots of different sound effects there and different things that happen. Uh, and my overall verdict of the game, I will go ahead and give it three out of five cans of spinach. I'd like to give it three and a half uh, cans of spinach. Uh, it's a fun game. It's a little frustrating. It's a little difficult. Uh, it's probably not one that you will play uh, for a long period of time, but uh, it's definitely enjoyable and definitely worth a visit. Well, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Sprite Castle. If you have feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at robohara at robohara.com. Join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash robcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore. Come join me on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord or leave me a message on my podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. All patrons of my show get behind-the-scenes blog posts, weekly videos, access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, and other additional perks. To find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. I'd like to take a moment to thank all my patrons. These are the people that keep the show moving forward each and every week. Uh, those include uh, my 8-bit supporters, Alan Hennessy, Alan Hudgens, Armadon Restel, Brian Barr, Carrie Clanton, Chris Albright, Chris Folds. By the way, Chris Folds has not been feeling well, and he is on the mend now. He's feeling better now. So special shout out to Chris. Glad that you are on the rebound. C-Dubs, Cowbird Boy, Dan, Paradroid Heavey, Dave Velociraptor, David Hearn, David Modelak. Gosh, I want to make sure I say these right. Eric Stryanisi, Garrett Allier, Gary Heather, Graham Vebke, Hacker Radio. Welcome, Hacker Radio, and all our listeners out there in Finland. Jake Nonamaker, Jason Warns, John Bodakar Schaller, John Pearson, John Treholt, Jose Kazada, Joshua Eckroth, Mark Alley, Mike McLaughlin, Mitsuyama, Mr. Bundy, Mr. Wacky, Nathan Dagenhart, Olaf Hope, Patrick Markey, Rad Max, Rydar, and Christopher Bowe. Retro Trace, Rick Reynolds, Robot Doctor 82, Roy Jacobs, Scooter Prime, Scott Lambert, Scott Meredith, Scrap Arcade, Stephen Burt, Steve Rasmussen, The Slow Norris, Travis Gossi, Zeke Pabsky, Zerfall, and the very, very mysterious Cobra Kai. Extra special thanks to my 16-bit supporters, Bill Spear, Boar's Head Tavern BBS, Dan Creek, Dave Zilly, Edward Smith, John Morrison, Matt Nicholson, Matt Smith, Scott Van Drasic, Steve Sharippa, and Vintage Volts. Thank you guys for supporting my shows. I really, really appreciate it. And speaking of support, I want to give uh, special thanks to Retro Rewind for all your Commodore 64 bits, bytes, and accessories. Visit Retro Rewind at RetroRewind.ca. Don't forget we're having that contest. Use T-I-S-S-C. It's Tis the Season Sprite Castle. T-I-S-S-C for that 10% discount. And if we have the largest amount of discounts used between now and December 18th, we will win two $50 gift cards, which I will be giving away on this podcast. Sprite Castle is available from iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, the RSS feed at podcast.robohara.com, and through the official Amigos podcast feed at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast. To hear more podcasts from me, like You Don't Know Flat, Cactus Flax, Throwback Reviews, and Multiple Sadness, visit podcast.robohara.com for links to these shows. Many of the news articles and game details for Sprite Castle come from websites such as Commodore News, Indie Retro News, Vintage is the New Old, the Commodore Scene Database, Lemon64, and Moby Games. Thanks again for listening. Now get back to eating your spinach, and we'll see you here next time on Sprite Castle. <laughs>